0: Hi, my name is Brian, and I'm the lead pastor at Grand Valley Church. We hope that this message helps you explore faith and connect with Jesus. Today, we are wrapping up our series called Rest for the Stressed. We've been tackling this question for a couple weeks now of saying, how do you rest when you're stressed? because today what we're going to talk about is what happens when we don't rest, when the cumulative stress of life just builds up more and more and more. What happens then? And so today we're going to be talking about something that maybe you've heard us talk about before, or maybe you've read a book or some articles about, but we're going to be talking about burnout. We're going to be talking about what happens when that cumulative stress just builds up and starts to affect us in some bigger ways. And so you might think that burnout is something that'll happen to someone else or maybe you've had prior experience with burnout, but we're going to dive into this today to talk about what do we do? How do we still find rest? And what what are maybe some starting points of how we can get out of burnout? Now, when this happens, when burnout happens, there's often two forms of burnout. There's a big form where it's kind of like our body and our brain just shut down and we just hit a full stop and just going through the day-to-day functioning that we need to do just feels absolutely impossible but there's also a second form of kind of a low-grade burnout where we can still keep functioning we can still keep getting done what we need to get done but it's like the joy and excitement of life have just been sapped out of it now when burnout happens often we need a a bit of self-awareness. We need to be able to recognize it first before we're able to do something about it. And two years ago, we did a sermon series based on a book by a pastor and author named Carrie Newhoff. And the book and the series that we did was called Didn't See It Coming. And it was about the challenges that we will experience in our life. And burnout is one of these challenges that happens to many of us that we don't see it coming, but when it hits us, it hits us. And so In the book, Carrie had 11 warning signs, and I'm going to read these out to you, and they're going to be on the screen as well. And I just want to remind you, this is not a a clinical diagnosis, but this is one of these kind of maybe a self-awareness moment of just if as I'm going through this, you're like, you know, check, 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 yep, that one's me. No, that one's not me, but check, check, check. And if you're checking off a lot of these ones, that's a sign that you really need to talk to someone about this, maybe a friend, a family member. Oftentimes, it involves talking with a counselor or your doctor to be able to say, what are we going to do? But what I want to do is I want to share this list with you, and then we're going to talk about some of the things that we often do to try to prevent burnout, and then dive into what will help us get past burnout and prevent burnout in our lives. And so Carrie's list of some of these warning signs that can happen in our lives starts this way. He says, first off, you know, your passion fades. The things that you were excited about just aren't exciting anymore. You might not feel the highs and lows of life anymore. Everything's just kind of numb. Everything's just kind of flat. Or maybe you might realize that little things make you feel disproportionately emotional. Your emotional response is kind of amplified over what the situation calls for. Maybe you found that just everybody drains you. Maybe you were a people person, but even just being around your colleagues at work, you're just like, I don't want to be around people at all. Maybe you're becoming cynical. You start assuming the worst out of everything. You start losing our hope that you might have. You might find that nothing satisfies you. Nothing is fun. Nothing is enjoyable. It's just kind of blah. Or maybe you just find you can't think straight. It just takes way more effort to be able to think about things than it used to. Or you might find your productivity's been dropping. You're putting in the same amount of work, but the results just aren't there. Or maybe you've turned to self medicating. You're starting to reach for something or turn to something to just numb the pain of what you're feeling as you're burnt out. Or maybe you don't laugh anymore. Nothing seems to be funny anymore. Or it could be that sleep and time off just no longer refuel you. The things that you'd normally turn to when you feel tired, when you feel worn out, when you feel weary, just aren't cutting it anymore. And now if some of these things apply to you or most of them or all of them, that could be an indicator that you are experiencing burnout and maybe you need to talk to someone about it. But what I want to do today is talk about some of the initial steps, some of the things we might try to do, but then what we can do to start charting a path out of burnout. Now, oftentimes when this happens, we start thinking about that last one. We think, well, I just need more sleep. I just need time off. And one of the things we might think of when we think about just needing time off is we start thinking about balance. We start thinking, well, I just need to balance my work and my life. I just need to balance my responsibilities and time to rest. I just need to find this balance point. But I actually think that balance is a is a poor goal to look for. I think there's a much better goal, but balance is a poor goal because what it requires is it requires us to find a point that is perfectly still where nothing outside is kind of forced upon us where nothing happens. And maybe if you think about maybe as a kid, you're on a playground and you tried to, I'm sure everyone's tried this. I know I have, and I'm not good at it, but you try to run up the teeter-totter and stand right in the middle and balance it with both ends off the ground. Or maybe, you know, you're one of those people that has the physical balance that you can stand on an exercise ball. I cannot. I just fall and hurt myself. I can't do it. I don't try anymore. But if you're able to, what you realize is you are holding tension as you're on that balance point. You're doing everything you can just to stay still in that moment. And if anything acts upon you, if anything is forced, if someone even just gives you the slightest poke, you lose that balance point. See, balance is a futile goal because our lives are always changing and shifting. Things are changing around us faster and faster. And so if we're trying to stay on that little tiny balance point, as things are changing around us, we will find it harder and harder to stay in balance. In fact, this is something that this year has revealed to us. 2020 has revealed that we have less control over our lives than we thought we had. We may have started 2020 with a lot of hopes and dreams and goals of what we would achieve, what we would do, And then March hit, and here in Canada, that's when things really started to shift and change. And we didn't know a lot about what we needed to do, so we reacted fast and hard. And now, months later, we know more about what our effective response and effective things to do that we can focus on to help protect each other. And on top of that, we have a better understood way of saying, how are we going to respond to the state of this pandemic in our area? But what it has taught us is even though there are portions we can control, overall, we are less in control of our lives than we thought we were. In fact, control is sometimes an illusion. We may think we are in control, but all it takes is one more change, and we are confronted with the reality that we aren't in control. Now, there's a book in the Old Testament that talks about this and has asks a question that might help us understand this but this book is one of those books that we just we don't quote it very often we don't read it very often and the reason for that is it falls in this category of this book of wisdom meaning it was a book that was written by someone who is very wise who is trying to kind of compile what they've learned to pass it on to the next generation kind of to be a almost like a curriculum for someone to learn more about life but if you start reading the book of ecclesiastes it starts to feel really weird really fast because the majority of the book is just describing how futile and meaningless everything is. In fact, if you chase pleasure, it's going to end up meaningless. If you chase power, if you chase wealth, if you try to chase the youth and the freedoms you had when you were younger, no matter what we try to chase, the the wise teacher in the book of Ecclesiastes just keeps coming back to saying everything is meaningless. And you might be thinking, okay, why are we talking about this? This isn't encouraging at all. But only at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, after we've deconstructed all these things that we think will give us meaning, do we come to what truly gives us meaning. But right before you get to that point, there is a question that the wise teacher asks that I think tells a lot about us and about what it means to be human. The teacher asks this question. He says, "Indeed." How can people avoid what they don't know is going to happen? And what he's recognizing is we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen next week, next month. We just don't know. And it's anyone's guess about what the future holds for us. And that is true at any time, not just 2020. And so how do we avoid the things that we don't know are going to happen? And this just illustrates that we can't control what happens to us but we can control our response to what happens. There are parts we can control, but we don't control the whole thing. In fact, if we could control every part of our lives, then achieving balance could be possible, but we can't. And so balance is not going to solve our burnout. So what do we do? How do we find something better than burnout or better than balance? Sorry, a lot of things are better than burnout. But I wanna take us back to what Carrie writes and what Carrie says. And he says, time off won't heal you when the problem is how you spend time on. When every day grinds you into the dust with long hours, you won't make it to vacation. The cure for an unsustainable pace is to create a sustainable pace. If our pace is leading us to burnout because it's unsustainable, we have to create a sustainable pace. So how do we do that? And I want to encourage us that what is better than balance is to search for how can we set boundaries and limits for ourselves that will help us to find rest. Now, boundaries and limits are two separate things. They're not the same thing. But a boundary is how we determine what we say yes to and what we say no to. A boundary is kind of the limit of how much I'm going to do. And so if you have a car and if if your car has that little distance to empty number on the dashboard and it'll tell you you can go this many kilometers until you run out of gas, that is a boundary. The amount of gas in your tank determines how far your car can go. But if we stick with this car metaphor and we talk about a limit, Limits are what determine the pace we can sustain over time. It's kind of how fast we move as we go about what we're doing in life. And so a limit in this way, if we stick with this car metaphor, is in your car there's something called a rev limiter. And it's part of the ECU, the computer that controls the engine in your car. And don't actually try this. But if you put your car in neutral and you stomp on the gas and you rev that engine as high as it goes, it's not good for your engine at all. We know that. But there is a point where the rev limiter kicks in and it disables the spark and the fuel to your engine to prevent it from over-revving. That limit determines how fast your engine can turn. And so if you think about if a gas tank sets the boundary, how far the car can go, the limiter, the rev limiter, the, the speed limiter is what determines how fast you achieve it. And we need both of these things. We need things that determine how we decide for ourselves what I'm going to do and also how fast I'm going to do, how hard I'm going to work at getting that done. Because boundaries without limits and limits without boundaries can still lead us to burnout. We need both of them. And in fact, when we learn how to create boundaries and set limits, it allows us to be steadfast in our chaotic world. As things keep changing around us, we can step back and say, no, this is as much as I'm going to do. I'm going to say no to this because these are the things I want to say yes to. And I'm going to limit the hours I'm working. I'm going to limit how much I'm exerting so that I keep some energy behind so that I can focus on the things that I want to focus on, the things that are important. Because we can't control the world. We know that we can't control everything, but we can control this part of it, how we set our, our boundaries, how we set our limits. Because when we do that, we can create margin in our lives. We can create these times of intentional space where instead of, like we talked about last week, when we're overwhelmed and we're just like, I need to take a break, we do need to give ourselves permission. But we can give ourselves permission on the front end. We can do that by creating margin in our lives. And there's a topic, a concept that is all throughout scripture that if if you've grown up in the church, you've heard this talked about and spoken about many times before. You've seen it pop up in Bible stories. But maybe if you're exploring faith or you're checking this out, this might be a new word for you. And so I want to start by defining it. And that word is Sabbath. And Sabbath in Scripture is the practice of devoting one day per week to rest and worship. It meant that out of a seven-day week, you took one day aside where you didn't do the normal working things you needed to do to live, but you took that time to devote it to rest and your faith. You took time to be with family, to be with friends, to focus on your spiritual well-being as well. And in fact, it's a big piece of trust, in fact, to cut off one day of your productivity to say, I'm going to focus on things that are important. And oftentimes, this part about Sabbath was a big deal throughout the whole Old Testament and even in the New Testament. And one of the times when this topic of Sabbath is a big deal comes up in the Gospel of Mark when Jesus and his disciples are traveling on the Sabbath day. And so we're going to pick up this story in Mark 2, verse 23. It says this, One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began breaking off heads of grain to eat. Now, this was not theft. This was not stealing from the farmer. In fact, it was codified in their law that it was permissible to break off heads of grain by hand, not with a tool, not with a sickle, not with a plow or anything to harvest it with, but you could do it by hand. And it was part of this understanding that everyone's sustenance came back to the land and the crops that could be grown and what could be produced from it. And so this was an act of generosity that if you were a farmer, you just understood that people traveling by your fields, this was your way of showing care and love and compassion to them. But Jesus and the disciples weren't alone. In fact, there's this other group along called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees, the easiest way to describe them is they only care about strict adherence to the rules and they don't understand the role that grace has in life. And so these Pharisees were very critical of Jesus. And so they say to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? Now, first off, they're exaggerating things. They're breaking off a few heads of wheat by hand And the Pharisees are saying, look, they're harvesting. They're reaping the whole field. That's not at all what was happening in this moment. But they are trying to criticize Jesus and his disciples. And so Jesus responds to them. He says, haven't you ever read in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? Instead of arguing with them or trying to tear apart the, the nuance of harvesting versus gleaning, Jesus asks a question. He says, hey, haven't you read what David did? And David is a, is a central figure in the Old Testament, someone who the, the Pharisees revered for because of who he was when he was king and who he was as he was becoming the king. But Jesus refers to this event that happened before David became king because David was anointed to become the king when the king before him was still on the throne. And they had a, David had a place in Saul's court for a time period, but Saul turned on David and Saul wanted to kill David. And so David is fleeing for his life. And Jesus says, here's what happens. David went into the house of God and broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. He's saying David went into the temple went into the, the, or sorry, into the tabernacle at the time. The temple was built later. Goes into the tabernacle. He goes to the priest, says, I need help. And the priest says, the only food I have is the consecrated holy bread that no one was permitted to eat. But what he does, what the priest does is gives this to David. He breaks their law. And David breaks the law by taking the bread and eating it, but it provided sustenance for where David needed to go to stay alive. And then Jesus says to the Pharisees, he interprets this story from their past. He says, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not for people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. This is all about the Sabbath is there to meet what people need. In fact, Jesus is challenging the Pharisees, reminding them that the ceremonial laws that were legalistic around the Sabbath are outweighed by what is necessary for sustenance. Now in this story with David that you find in 1 Samuel, David was running for his life. This was a life or death matter. He needed the sustenance to get where he needed to go. But Jesus' disciples in the gospel of Mark at this point in time, this isn't a life or death moment for them and I think that makes Jesus' point even stronger because even though it's not a life or death situation, Jesus is pointing out that caring for themselves is important. In fact, Jesus is elevating the need to take care of yourself even if you're not in a crisis. Because living in a state of burnout is not healthy for anyone. And so, I want to encourage you that this might be the time to try to figure out how can we take a sabbath. Now, a sabbath does not have to be a full 24-hour time period. One of the things we could really get this wrong is if we made it really legalistic. But a Sabbath can be time where we give ourselves permission to rest, where we focus on the things that make us healthy physically, relationally, spiritually, mentally. Having a Sabbath creates margin in our life, gives us space so that we can understand what's going on, so that we can take time to care for ourselves, take time to be with our families and take time for that margin to sustain us. Now, right now, as I'm speaking this message, it is not Sunday morning for me. I record these on Saturday night. And something that has been interesting to me for the last few months is for the first time in 12 years, I have Sundays off. Sundays have become my Sabbath. And so I watch the church service. Sometimes I don't watch our church service. I'll watch other churches' services as well. I take that time to be with my family. We take time to just have a quiet day. Now, I wish I could say that this has kept me burnout-proof and I'm now in the healthiest state I've ever been in my life, but that's not true. But I do think that without this Sunday Sabbath in this time period, I would be a lot further down the path of burnout than what I am right now. Now, once we're out of this critical red pandemic response stage, Shortly after that, we're going to return to in-person services. And I am really looking forward to being here on a Sunday morning and getting to worship in person with some of our church that's able to gather. And we're still going to have the online service. And so we will gather together regardless of location to be a community of faith together. And so what that means also is that my Sunday won't be my full Sabbath anymore. And so I'll need to keep looking at my life and keep looking at editing and adjusting and saying, how can I find that margin again? How do I get that bit of margin back? And so just like you, we've got to figure out a new way of how to do this. And in fact, in each stage of our lives, the way that we practice Sabbath, the way that we build margin, the way we set our boundaries and our limits will change constantly. But I want to wrap up with this. I want to remind you that If you are in burnout or you think you're headed there, the time to act is now because burnout is not something that just goes away on its own. So if you think back to that list of 11 warning signs, if some or most or all of those apply to you, this is the time to reach out and talk to someone. Talk to a friend, talk to family, reach out to us at the church, and I'd love to have a conversation and see what steps and what what resources are there to help you This is often something that will need the help of a counselor or to have some pointed conversations with your doctor as well. But the truth is, burnout is a lot more common than we think it is. Burnout affects a lot of us and more often than we think. And if we even just start by having a conversation about it with a friend, we can remove the stigma attached to it and allow us to have freer conversations about burnout. And so for this whole series, we've been talking about finding rest when we're stressed. And we've talked about three big things that can take us out of being stressed and towards finding rest, and they are how we can start by turning down the background noise, turn down the noises and all the voices of life that are constantly chirping at us, and choose to focus on the voices that matter, choose to focus on the voice of God in our lives. And like last week, we talked about giving ourselves permission to rest because if Jesus can rest in the middle of a storm, so can you and so can I. And today, we've been talking about setting boundaries and limits to create Sabbath, to create margin, to create space in our lives to rest. And so I hope that you're able to take some steps forward in some of these things, even just one sustainable step today, can lead to another sustainable step tomorrow. And before you know it, can actually lead us towards a more sustainable life. And so my hope and my prayer for you is that you're able to find that rest, that you're able to find that peace that we all need. Now, next week, we're gonna be back here online and we're gonna be beginning our Christmas series looking at the weeks of Advent leading up to Christmas. And so I hope you'll join us again next Sunday for Grand Valley Church Online. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you know of someone that would benefit from hearing the message you just listened to, would you do us a favor and share this podcast with them? And while you're at it, please consider subscribing to be the first to hear when our podcast is updated. If you want to join in on Sundays, our services are streaming online at 11 a.m. Central. To find out more about our church, go to mygrandvalley.ca and you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for My Grand Valley. Thanks for listening.